and good morning to you Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY, The Voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and around here, we kick off our Tuesday shows by wishing our listeners, and of course, Matt Neely, making the magic happen on the other side of the glass, a very happy Wednesday Eve. Matt, happy Wednesday Eve. How are you? Good morning, Zach. Uh, full show today. Are you ready? You, Of course. <laughs> Always. <laughs> hey, it's also International Lightning Safety Day. I meant to tell you that. So uh, it's, it's the right time of the year to uh, be thinking about lightning safety. I hope we get some lightning, which means we get some rain. You know, it was interest- it's interesting, um, uh, Matt, that uh, somebody on my Facebook made an interesting comment. They said that the clouds came early. We've had some reasonable summer weather. Uh, the clouds have rolled in, but the rain hasn't followed it. So we'd love to get some rain here in the desert, but, uh, but hopefully some lightning and thunder comes with it too. I love monsoon season. Everybody out there, stay safe with the lightning out there. Well, you know how it works. It's always July 4th when it really gets going in earnest. So I'll That's take the true. clouds because it's cooling things down. And rain for and Benson sure. sometimes cools things down here. So I'll take it. I love it for sure. Well, uh, uh, always good to be in the saddle with you and our listeners. Uh, a little bit of a different show today. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, uh, my new friend Clay from the Ideal Institute. It's a trade training organization, a new one here in Tucson to help uh, people get prepared for trades. We desperately uh, need folks uh, in the trades for a variety of reasons, and Ideal Institute is stepping in uh, to do that. Uh, I want to share, Matt, uh, in the second segment, um, a big guest announcement for later this week. Maybe one of my uh, one of my biggest guest announcements over the four and a half years of doing this show. Someone uh, that all of our listeners will know will be on the show on Thursday. Uh, and then I also want to talk about why I had to call 911 yesterday in Tucson and uh, what it got me thinking about. But that all leads to uh, someone who is never on with us on a Tuesday. Usually he comes on on Wednesdays, but Ruben Navarrete is with us this morning uh, because some things got shifted around for uh for a very big guest who I will share the name of in the second segment. But Ruben is with us to kick things off. He's the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, syndicated across many platforms on the right and left of American life right now. Always a good conversation. Ruben, I really appreciate your flexibility this last week. And uh, I'm also a little sad uh, realizing that when you and I uh, hang up in a few minutes, that's the last time we'll get to do this thing together uh, on the air. So, um, I'm going to soak this all in, sir. Thanks for being here. Zach, great to be back with you as always. Thanks. So uh, so the question of the day uh, is uh, give me your four or five days in, your ongoing thoughts about the big news on Friday, which was the Supreme Court overturning yeah. uh, Roe v. Wade. We should start there, but it was actually – it's been three major decisions – by the Supreme Court, Ruben, one on uh, guns, one on abortion, and then the one yesterday uh, regarding the uh, the football coach um, who would kneel in prayer after football games. It's been three major decisions by this Supreme Court, Ruben. Please help us make sense of what's going on. 
Yeah, Zach, and more to come, too, right before the end of the session. Yes. It's expected that there'll be a couple of other uh, uh, bombshells dropped um, in the next couple of weeks. And then in the fall, there lots of anticipation about a, a, uh, an affirmative action case. Hmm. Uh, the uh, the claim against uh, Harvard allegedly discriminating against Asian Americans. Uh, so this is a court that simply, uh, obviously, it leans in to controversy. It's, yeah. it's that you have to admire that. Uh, no matter where you are on the on the spectrum, it doesn't back away. It's it's a courageous court in that regard. Uh, I don't agree with what it did. I think most legal scholars don't agree with what it did last week in the Dobbs case. I'm uh, I'm with John Roberts, and won't surprise you to know, Ruben in the center is with mm-hmm. Roberts in the center. Uh, because John Roberts has exactly the right position, which is why he stood alone. The folks on the left, the dependable liberals, would have struck down the Mississippi law and not touch Roe versus Wade. Uh, the folks on the right, the five justices, uh, four men and a woman, uh, not only upheld the Mississippi law, but they went all the way to strike down Roe versus Wade something that they didn't have to do. And John Roberts was right there. She stands alone in the middle saying, you know what? Uh, we can look at the merits of the Mississippi case. We should have uh, decided that that was okay and permissible, but you don't have to overturn Roe versus Wade, nor should you. So that was the correct uh, position. That's hmm. my position. That's where I would have landed. Uh, and it's no wonder he ended up standing alone. But the one point that jumps out at me, Zach, is this is an issue that where it may be guns as well, where, where opinions are shifting um, and people are complicated and human beings are complicated. And you and I have spoken before on this uh, on the show about how it is you can have people who are personally pro-life uh, for themselves and for their children, but they do not feel comfortable uh, pushing that out uh, to other people's lives. And so they are personally pro-life and publicly pro-choice. Hmm. And that is uh, a huge population of people, lots of women, uh, over, I think, 60, 70 percent of women I saw um, think that it was a bad decision. And I find that very, very interesting. Latinos fall into that camp in Arizona. They are sure they're Catholic, at least uh, in declining numbers, they're Catholic. Uh, I just saw some polling this morning. There are less Latino Catholics than they used to be 10 years ago. Uh, but even for those who are Catholic, they... Uh, they practice one thing within their home, but they don't feel comfortable with uh, a bunch of men on the Supreme Court telling women what to do with their bodies. So if you want to see your nice conservative grandma who's very religious and believes abortion is murder, if you want to see her spit nails, tell her that men are dictating what women should do with their bodies. Ruben, one of the pieces that I that I think is really interesting, and, and I, I kind of see two dynamics, and correct me if, if you see it differently. There is the the camp that will say, look, the Supreme Court uh, may have made the right constitutional decision. Uh, some will say the, the court that made the original Roe v. Wade decision uh, was stretching the uh, rights within the Constitution um, and that there is a case, and I'm not making the case, Ruben, I'm just saying this is the case out there, um, that, there um, that, that, that this court's decision returns the issue of abortion to the right place constitutionally. However, for hundreds of years, Ruben, another camp will say, there has been a practice of precedence on the Supreme Court where traditionally a Supreme Court would not have touched 
Roe v. Wade because of nearly 50 years of precedence. That leads me to this question, Ruben. What I thought was interesting is that when the three justices who were confirmed during the, uh, during the, uh, the era of President Trump uh, were asked by Republican and Democratic senators alike, will you touch right. Roe v. Wade? All three of them said no. It's precedent. Yeah. It is what right. it is at this point. So, Ruben, what changed? And I'm, I'm asking that legitimately uh, because it's a direct turnaround from what they said under oath. W- w- was there yeah. a dynamic <laughs> in this decision-making process, Ruben, that 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 let, had an opening for a an about face on this issue? I think they lied under oath. I think they committed perjury. Uh, I think that uh, they wanted to be confirmed, as all Supreme Court nominees do. I think they're smart enough politically to game the system and know that you can't get confirmed if you stand up there and say you intend to do away with Roe versus Wade. So they lied to the just, uh, to the senators. The senators bought it. People like Susan Collins and others huh, got duped. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, that's politics. That's how it works. They're now confirmed. The lifetime appointment, they'll be there for a long time. Can't do anything about it. Um, but yeah, there was an element of, of deceit there. This is not a case, Zach, of they were acting in good faith when they testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and then all of a sudden they took a look at the Dobbs case, and wow, they really had this epiphany, and they decided, you know, I can, I can change a little bit here. I've changed my mind. No, I don't think that was ever the case. I think they believed, as you just said, that uh, Roe was wrongly decided in the first place, that it was never on very sound uh, ground constitutionally. Uh, you have to find... Uh, a, a right to privacy somewhere in the Fourth Amendment, and then look at the definition of the Fourteenth Amendment and put the two together, and ultimately say that there should be a federal national standard for abortion. Uh, that's that's going to always be difficult. But interesting, it was pointed out to me by an editor yesterday in one of the pieces I wrote that the court didn't take on the personhood uh, idea of the Fourteenth Amendment at all. It didn't go straight on and say what I just said. Hey, this was. It said wrongly was egregiously decided in the first place, but it didn't say the Fourth Amendment doesn't apply or the Fourteenth Amendment doesn't apply. Alito's whole argument was basically, in writing the the majority opinion, was basically to say, look, there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. Uh, It was never conceived of. It's not an original fundamental right. And that's what has a lot of folks on the left worried about other uh, things that have come along, like same-sex marriage, that are also not in the Constitution. So. Um, it's all well and good. I think here's the point. It's all well and good to say, look, it was wrongly decided. Uh, there is no right to abortion in the Fourth or Fourteenth Amendment. Great. Then when you write the opinion, take that on directly. The fact that he didn't take that on directly leaves that to be an open question. So it happens all the time. Uh, the judges want to go to where they want to go. He went to where he wanted to go, but he, he avoided the, the other question about uh, the legal underpinnings of Roe. Ruben, I have I have two uh, quick questions. To get your thoughts on before mm. we let you go here. A bit of a longer segment, sure. you know. And I, I think there's been so many people, Ruben, who've talked about the pro-life versus pro-choice elements of this. I want to talk about some of the maybe lesser talked, you know, pieces of it. Um, one is that some would say, look, um, it, it 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 should uh, not be on the a judicial branch to set national policy. The, 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 the legislative branch should be the national body that sets national policy um, uh, on these issues. Um, yeah. Of course, some others say, you know, look, just like, you know, the Loving case and others, you know, we need a national policy. Some of these human rights things shouldn't be left up to the states. What right. do you make about right. some of those arguments, Ruben? 
it's a dangerous place for the left to be. The, the left is on quicksand at the moment because they're basically arguing that everything we know about liberalism, which is that uh, you have to have, uh, sure, majority rule, but with respect to minority rights, the fact that you have judicial review, the fact that it's okay that judges are not elected um, when they're deciding cases that the left favors in a way that the left approves of, all that's up in the air now because when they make the argument that you just made, somehow that the judges are not elected, yeah, that's pretty much the point, guys. You know, return, if you will, back to the 1960s with me, when you had in the southern states uh, various electorates, various voters who overwhelmingly supported and voted for Jim Crow, it took federal judges who don't stand for re-election to come up against the mob, against the numbers, against the majority, and say the Constitution says you can't do this. So that is the trouble. Liberalism is based, the whole brand of liberalism uh, basically says that one federal judge can stand up against the mob because we don't elect federal judges. And it worked for the left with busing, with Jim Crow, with, uh, with gay rights. You know, the majority of California voters, you guys in Arizona think California is so liberal? Not really. You know, in Prop, we had Prop 8 in, in 2008, we outlawed gay marriage. And in doing so, a federal judge, actually the Supreme Court, ultimately decided uh, against that and, and ruled it unconstitutional, right? So that's where the left is on really on some quicksand, because for about a thousand years, they've argued on the left among liberals that it's okay for federal judges to go up against the violent mob. And all of a sudden, they're dancing in the opposite direction. Hmm. We're with Ruben Navarrete, uh, the most widely read Latino columnist syndicated across multiple platforms on the right and left of American political life. Last question, uh, purposely launched segment. Again, Ruben, this final question is outside the realm of are you pro-life, are you pro-choice? Here was my first immediate concern, Ruben, as soon as I heard the news. A guy by the name of Bill Bishop in 2008 wrote a book called The Big Sort, Why the Clustering of Like-Minded America is Tearing Us Apart. Um, Barack Obama was wrong, Ruben. Uh, there is a blue America. There is a red right. America. And I think decisions like this quicken the big sort, the clustering of red America and blue America that's tearing us apart. States, if this goes back to the states, there are going to be red states that do it in one way, right. and blue states right. that do it in a different way, and people in red are going to go blue, and people in blue are going to go red. That worries me, Ruben. Your thoughts? There's a story on NBCNews.com at the moment about how this is a throwback to the Civil War when you had free states and, and slave states. Well, there, there are some states today that are freer than other states if, if you have to talk about the freedom to have an abortion. Uh, and the very fact that if you live in some states, you have to go two states over now to get an abortion. Uh, if, if, for instance, if you're in East, Tex if, if you're in East Texas in Houston, uh, it's a long way. It's a long way to the next uh, abortion state, uh, pro-choice state. So, yeah, th this is a very, <laughs> very difficult time. Uh, I would say that our politicians have not helped us. Barack Obama was one of the original liars. He went forward and made his name at the at giving the keynote at the Democratic Convention in Boston, saying we're one state, United States of America. And then when he was president, he was caught on open mic in San Francisco, raising money, talking about how people are clinging to their guns and their Bibles. Okay, so that's a that's a bunch of BS, right? Um, Democrats do it, Republicans do it, people who want to be on the Supreme Court do it. Is anybody telling the truth anymore? <laughs> so, Something's broken in our politics, but I don't think mm. it's the American voter. I pretty much think it's our leaders. Mm. Ruben uh, Navarrete, uh, with a lot of sadness, um, I think I'm going to have to let you go on that. 
uh, you are a busy guy across many platforms, and you have visited us in Southern Arizona a few times at least a month and spent time with us here. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being uh, with us, and thank you for being a part of the show the last year or so. I appreciate you greatly. You bet. Love being on your show, Zach. You're one of a kind. I appreciate it. Love, love seeing you my next trip to uh, Arizona. And don't forget, you owe me a hamburger uh, at uh, what's Little Love Burger. Yeah, in, Little Love indeed. Burger. So it's, it's been a great show, and, uh, and thank you very much for having me and making me a part of it. Ruben Navarrete, thank you. Let's, let's get that. Let's get that burger soon. Ruben Navarrete, host of Ruben in the Center. You'll find him uh, uh, where on the right, where on the left, Ruben. Yeah, on the right, I write for Newsmax magazine. On the left, I write for the Daily Beast. My editors are on Mars and Venus. Uh, they're on different plants. I have to speak to both of them. I deserve combat pay uh, for that. I'm also uh, syndicated for the Washington Post Writers Group. Just Google my name and follow the arrows coming at me from both sides. Absolutely. Follow Ruben. Ruben, thank you so much. Be safe, sir, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Zach. To- Tucson, that does it for our first segment. We'll go back for a break. When we come back, a quick short segment. I have a big, big guest announcement before we go to the bottom of the hour news. So stick around. Come on back. We're just getting started here on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk all day, every day. 1030 The Voice. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their bee on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. 
Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer.com. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. Back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona live here out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point. We just got back from an extra lawn segment. Our last one, sadly, it makes me sad to say that, with Ruben Navarrete, uh, nationally syndicated columnist. Uh, he came on today instead of tomorrow for a reason I will share in just a second. And we had our last conversation before we sign off and hang up the headphones for the last time on the program on Friday. This segment, real quick, is sponsored by the Love Burger. Certain of the juiciest burgers, look at hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15% discount off your next order. Uh, Matt, are you ready for our listeners to hear the uh, very special interview we've cooked up for Thursday? Oh, man. I, hang on a second. I got something for you here. Hang on a second. Wait a minute. Okay. Uh, okay. Whoops. Huh? <laughs> there you go. You, my it predecessor is, left is. that for me in your file. I, so. I, I love it. It, it. it is worth that. So on Thursday at 9.15, let me, I'll cut right to the chase. Uh, I'm very honored um, to be able to have an extended interview uh, with Arizona Governor Doug Ducey from 9.15 to 9.45 on on Thursday. Uh, not only honored, obviously, to have him on the show, but uh, you know these guys, they are very busy and they have a lot going on, and his team uh, has allotted two very long segments to talk about a variety of topics, from the legislature uh, to um, the present and future of the Republican Party, um, to water and ESAs uh, and uh, many other things. It's going to be a wide-ranging, extended interview, and very excited about it. Of course, I'm heading towards Friday. He's closing out his last year in office uh, as he's termed out. It's going to be a good conversation, Matt, right here to Thursday, 9.15 and 9.45. So there we go, Matt. Big, big news. All I'm right, very great excited news. about it. The penultimate day. We squeaked it in, so Tucson, keep us uh, keep us here for that. Very excited about it. When we come back, I'll tell you why I had to call nine one one yesterday, and what it made me think about. And then uh, we'll talk to a trade training institute, a new one in Tucson, on the other side of that. 
the back half of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on 1030 The Voice is just on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. Offer.com. School's out and summer's here. And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at fctucson.com. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. We are live out of the Common Workspace Studios on this Wednesday Eve, Tuesday edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on 10:30, The Voice. Uh, and before we get going, I want to share with you that uh, Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee that the Yensers drink at home and while we're out and about, in part because it's run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community. It's always good to know the people who serve up the uh, the food and drink you like in town. They are here locally, and uh, you'll find a great variety of coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. And ice cream has, I can announce, made its way on the menu. Visit them at the Mercado San Agustin Annex, 267 South Avenida del Convento, and mention you heard about them uh, here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenster for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. So real quick, a uh, fast segment here before we uh, visit with our final guest of the hour. Um, had a little bit of a jarring experience yesterday uh, that I thought was worthwhile to share, if for no other reason than the train of thought that it got me thinking about. But I, I had to run over to meet a friend uh, at another office downtown. Uh, so most of you know that my, my office is, is downtown. And I had to walk a couple of blocks up to meet somebody to grab something and go back to my office. So uh, I left my office yesterday afternoon um, and uh, 
and uh, was walking about a block. I ran into um, some colleagues and we were talking. And uh, behind us, out of the corner of my eye, um, I saw a young man. Uh, he, he was with some people. He didn't look well. And he was, when, when I got to the stoplight at the block, he was sitting up. And then when I looked out of the corner of my eye, he was slumping over. And you could tell his friends were getting really concerned. Uh, they eventually laid him down and kind of put some under his head. Uh, and it was pretty clear he was having a seizure. And so um, I called 911 and props to uh, Tucson Fire uh, for uh, sending the medical team out really, really quick. Um, but this young man, as I found out shortly after, um, was uh, using meth and weed together and had a, a seizure from drug use. Um, and, you know, there was a part of me that, that wondered if he was going to make it um, in the five minutes that it took for medical team to get there. And, you know, it's not every day I watch someone with a seizure um, kind of, uh, you know, from, uh, from a drug overdose. And it was kind of jarring for sure. And, you know, I was talking with some colleagues uh, that noticed that public drug use and abuse um, has gotten bad again in downtown. I've been working downtown for a number of years now, and there was definitely a season where there was improvement, at least publicly. But the public uh, drug use and abuse is becoming more blatant, and it's getting worse in downtown. Uh, and if you don't believe me, spend more than a dinner downtown, um, and, and you will. I think you will see. So this was an incredibly jarring experience um, for me, um, and I mean, glad I was there. It's not about me at all, but just um, that's a new experience for me. And, and it got me thinking um, by the data, right? So stepping away from just the anecdotes, but this got me thinking. Um, Tucson, by the data, right? And I say this is what I'm about to say. I say this as someone um, who is really excited uh, to see Space City of the Southwest in multiple papers, in multiple articles, in multiple publications over the last week. Um, my Saturday was made when President Bobby Robbins from the university tweeted out uh, a podcast series I had done with some of his team, and he called Tucson the Space City of the Southwest. Uh, there is a, 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 I've been on a mission, y'all know that. There is now a movement out of the mission of people with some level of influence calling Tucson the space city of the Southwest. So I'm the guy that gets into this seat with optimism, um, with an eye towards the future. There's some special things going on in Tucson. I will almost always start there. But we have to be clear. By the data, and I looked at this earlier today to confirm it, by the data, Tucson has become a more violent, a more unhoused, and a more addicted community over the last few years. It is a palpable shift that is more noticeable by the day. And we can't lose sight of that. And I gotta tell you, there are some people that I love dearly and I respect who have a sense of denialism and an excusing of a community that has by the data, not my opinion, not my politics, not my party, uh, by the data, Tucson is becoming a more violent, unhoused, and addicted community over the last three years. Right, last year was the third year in a row where we have beaten our own records for overdose deaths in Tucson. 
Since 2019, our unhoused population, our homeless population has increased exponentially. We had the deadliest year of crime on Tucson record in 2021. And at some people, whether you are progressive or conservative, uh, Democrat or Republican, if you are a Tucsonan, you have to look at the data and say the data is going in the wrong direction. And whatever we are doing today in response to the data is not working. Now, one could say, look, we have new policies in place, right? Tucson police is doing some really cool things in the 05 zip code uh, where they are meeting with drug dealers and saying, look, we've got all the information to book you in jail for 10 years. It's a felony, right? This started a couple years ago. You can either help us fix your life or you can go to jail. That is your choice today. Here's your police file. Literally, this is happening. Here, here's your file. You go to jail now, or you can help. You can let us help you fix your life. There's some really cool things going on, right? Uh, you know, and maybe in three, four years, we look and we say, hey, you know, some of those things worked. But I got to tell you, some of these policies um, have been in place. Some of these diversions have been in place for a number of years, and I think it's incumbent upon local citizens to not let national trends and national ideas uh, become philosophies over the real lived experience of people who I think have a clear idea that Tucson has become, in spite of all the shifts and changes the last three years, in the last three years, it's three years specifically, by the way, Tucson is becoming more violent, a more unhoused, and a more addicted community. And we have to stop excusing it and figure out a more humane, people-centered way to tackle what has been a palpable shift that is more noticeable by the day. And for me, it looked like calling 911 on a young man who couldn't have been older than 25 having an overdose because it is easier and more open and more public to get your hands on drugs today than it has been in a very long time. We're gonna go to our final break. When we come back, a much more fun topic. I've been looking forward to this one. Clay from the Ideal Trade Institute uh, is going to be with us, uh, founded uh, to help prepare men and women uh, for the professional world. We'll be right back. That's our final conversation of the day. Tipping Point returns just after this. Source for trusted local news and talk. 1030, The Voice. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. School's out and summer's here. And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at fctucson.com. 
Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Zach Yenzer here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their bee on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. This is Bill Buckmaster, the latest on the markets at noon on 1030, Tucson's voice for trusted news talk. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona live out of the Common Workspace studios. Our final guest conversation of this Tuesday, Wednesday Eve edition of uh, Tipping Point uh, with Zach Yenser on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Look, been looking forward to this final conversation um, with uh, a new friend uh, we'll introduce who runs Ideal Trade Institute here in Tucson. This conversation supported by our uh, by our supporters over at Vantage West Credit Union who wanted to put together a series to highlight organizations of various kinds that developed and grew and thrived um, out of the pandemic, but more importantly, looking forward, have a bright future ahead and are positively impacting the Tucson region. So thanks to our sponsors at Vantage West uh, Credit Union for supporting this conversation. They call it Essential Customer. Uh, where we want our listeners to be essential supporters of essential organizations making a difference in Tucson. With that, uh, Clay Abernathy, if I'm getting that right. You got it right. Beautiful. The rest of the show is easy if I can, uh, if I can get the name right. So we're off to, uh, we're off to a good start. Uh, Ideal Trade Institute. Uh, Clay, uh, tell us a little bit about the Institute, what it's about, and, and how you started it. Uh, we started in 2005. We were trying to uh, train real estate agents for a little while, and uh, 
it, it, it morphed into what it currently is today, which is a, a trade school for construction professionals and, and trade professionals. We need a few more of those folks. We are down <laughs> one million in the United States what's, right now. What's that number? One million. And, and by the end of 2023, we'll be two million short in construction. And that, wow. does, and that doesn't take into account the uh, largest retiring class of craftsmen the world's ever seen that are going to retire in the next five to ten years. Jeez. So we're, we got we got some fun things ahead. But uh, at Ideal, we are excited um, that we are we are training and, and we have a, a very unique program um, because of what has happened in the market where our uh, oh, where our students um, uh, build uh, roughly between fifteen to twenty five tiny homes. Hmm. Uh, ground up, so they'll frame, wire, plumb, uh, sheetrock, tape, texture. They'll do all the trim carpentry, roofing, and uh, they'll do it over and over and again um, for their uh, uh, for their muscle memory, which is pretty exciting. The the thing that uh, when they come in, it costs uh, five hundred dollar registration to see if uh, once they get approved, um, and then they are essentially there with uh, no cost. Uh, they do have to take out a little bit of a loan, but it comes from the school. If they mm-hmm. complete the program, we wipe the uh, com- all of the debt off. So they get uh, uh, pl- uh, electrician, plumber, uh, trades, carpenter. They get, they get all of that. They graduate with the ability to take the license for R62 um, and no debt. And then they get uh, $2,200 um, dollars worth of tools that they get to take with them so no debt it's 500 dollars registration fee we pay off the debt when they're done um we're doing everything we can to help the problem that uh i think a lot of people are starting to see now but have no idea what's coming in the next uh, five years so no doubt so a couple of things you made me think about you mentioned the one million construction worker shortage that we're having in this country i had the president and ceo of the arizona chamber of commerce on the show yesterday and we were talking about the fact that Arizona is 270,000 units of housing short. That can be multifamily, single family. And one of the things that feeds into that is uh, labor. There's a shortage of labor. Yep. Uh, do you have any numbers, whether it's Arizona or Tucson specific, of maybe how many construction workers were short locally? Uh, I've heard I've heard a bunch of different numbers. The last one I heard from uh, uh, Chase Building Team, uh, Bob Harrison over there, is I think we're about forty thousand short minimum in Arizona. Uh, in Arizona. Um, and if you try to get something done, you you know yeah. that that it's very difficult. Uh, our bids used to be good for. Um, uh, 30 days, sometimes 60 days, and now mm. uh, contractors are bidding for no less than seven days um, because th- we just can't schedule and, and try to get on the schedules six months out right now. And that's also why material prices are, are so high. You know, our, our, our tradespeople and our, our our craftsmen, they are also the ones that produce the materials. And if mm-hmm. we can't get the materials, materials go up, labor goes up, yeah. can't build, can't do a lot of things, but... Uh, you know, I think we, we do have exciting times coming. That's that's the the, the unexciting part. But what we're doing at Ideal is we had 500% growth in the last Jeez. six months. We um, we will be doubling that again. So we'll go from 53 students in July to 200 students in January um, to combat this uh, this problem. And Man. And we're getting lots of support. Lots of people are are, are jumping on the on board, and, and we're also helping the affordable housing. Yeah. Our, our, you can buy our homes um, and put them in your backyard as ADUs. Oh, the homes that they build to practice. Correct. That's wow. how that's how we pay off their debt. So really, 
Yeah, so we pay, we we sell the homes, and they're they're all quality control. They're they're um, licensed through the Arizona Housing Department, so you can attach them to the land. They count as square footage. You can get government financing on them, um, and then we take those profits. We put it back into the school, and that's how the stu- students gra- uh, graduate debt free. I have never heard of this kind of model before. Is I, there a reason for that? We are it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. You got to be a little crazy to take on a task wow. like this. So. Um, but yeah, there, there's nothing out there like this. There, there are people who are trying um, to accomplish this, but it is a, it's a huge task, and that's why we're, we're excited about all the people who support us and some of the larger construction companies and, and the people who are buying our homes and the people who are coming to our school. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. That's incredible. Uh, Worth Clay Abernathy, the uh, the the mind behind uh, Ideal Trade Institute, uh, uh, which is the organization you've heard us talking about, fairly newish in Tucson. Um, well, we we started in two thousand five. Um, okay, but we. Uh, we were combating a problem the way everybody else was combating it. We were trying to do internship programs, work programs, apprenticeship programs. Okay. We were trying what everybody else tried, and and those programs are great, um, and they have they have a place in this mm-hmm. in this market, and we are excited about that. But it didn't do exactly what I wanted to do, um, and so we we kept changing it. And with the way the market was changing, it changed to a, a part where it allowed us to to do something exciting and new mm-hmm. that's never been done. And that's so cool. That's why we did it. And, and so we opened this particular program uh, in uh, in January. Okay. So, 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 so fairly new in this program. Got it. So that was the new piece. I knew there was an aspect of this yep. that was new. And what we're talking about today is the piece that started in January. Correct. Got it. Uh, maybe you can debunk a myth for us, Clay. Okay. I'll um, do my best. A lot of people who talk about the workforce shortage mm-hmm in this sector, in this industry, um, will say, oh, we just can't find the young people anymore mm-hmm. who want to do the work. Right. I hear that from a lot of people who've been in the trades for years. They go, people just don't want to do this work. We're right. going to have a dying off generation, just point blank, and nobody to fill it. Right. Uh, if you're seeing a 500% increase in students, mm-hmm. um, maybe that's not true. Um, there is some truth to that, and we're fighting society. I've been fighting that societal problem for the last 15 to 17 years. Okay. Um, 70% of all graduates of high school go into college. Um, you know, if you've been to high school in the last 30 years, they said you're not going to equate to anything unless you go to college. Mm-hmm. So we're shoving people that down people's throat and saying, well, you don't want to be a plumber. You don't want to be an electrician. You don't want to do that hard labor. Um, and so that's been drilled into people's heads. And the unfortunate problem with that is that there are a lot of people who love working with the hands. It's how we built America, you know? And um, when you get out to the construction site, they hand you a shovel and that is not exciting. That's not fun. Or they say, go get me this and they become a gopher. Um, In our program, what we're doing is we're showing the exciting parts of all of it. Hmm. And that's why we're having the growth Hmm. because people love to build things. People love to fix things. They, They love to see what they've created and they can stand back and go, I completed that. I did that. Mm. And that's the exciting part about construction and trades and, and, and all those things. But we have, we've done a, such a really bad job at, at, at saying that that's not fun and that's not exciting. And so uh, in our program, we, we cut out all of the, the unexciting parts and said, let's build. Let's do the fun things. Mm-hmm. And when they get done, they love it. And so there, there is a transition back 15, 20, even 30 years ago. It was is that you worked your way up. 
but that's not that part is not exciting that is where we do not get people going into the trades because when you they come in it's like you're a gopher Mm -hmm. and that's not the exciting part and they're not willing to put four or five years in to find the exciting part and and at the school they build on day one Mm. wow and it sounds like because of some of the relationships you've mentioned with construction companies in town is you are able to provide the workforce you train with a direct pipeline um, to be placed with companies that need workers. That's correct. Uh, out of our 13 students, 11 got placed in jobs over wow. over $50,000 a year. Jeez. That's and an- that's six months of training. That's amazing. I see uh, uh, as we start to kind of wind this down to um, obviously if somebody wants to and is able to support the institute and or wants to be a student in it, want to get to that. But there's an apply now um, tab on the institute. What does the application process look like and is uh, what, what is the selection process look uh, it's like? It's fairly simple. You go in and I'll tell you that I've got, I've got a 67-year-old retired electrician in my school today. Um, starting July 11th, I've got another 62-year-old guy in there, and I've got a, an 18-year-old girl in there. Wow. I've got a 38-year-old uh, TUSD counselor. No way. Um, she's in there. And then I've got, <laughs> I've, I've got a wide range of everybody. And we, we work on people skills, too. We're not just teaching people the trades. We're teaching how to communicate, how to build, mm-hmm. how to teamwork. We're doing all of those things, which is super important. So when you go in, it's a fairly simple question, name, so on and so forth. And then somebody calls you back, and we take a little bit more of an application, mm-hmm. and we, uh, we, talk, we talk to the person and see if they'll fit. And we are looking for all types of people, you know, because we're building something different. You know, we're building a person, not just a home. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty exciting. So uh, we, take about, we took about 200 applications um, in the last three months uh, for the 50. We'll probably take about 1,000 applications for the uh, January program. Um, but I can tell you, if you get your application in soon, your likelihood of getting in is much greater than if you're waiting till December to get into the January class. Right. No, I love this. This is great. Uh, you, you, you say ideal is a launching pad for those who want to enter the workforce in as little as six months and still be able to increase their earning power through education. I think this is so important. And I try to balance this on the show, Clay. Uh, Clay Abernathy is with us, by the way, if you just joined uh, of Ideal Trade Institute. The Bureau of Labor uh, Statistics says that uh, an overwhelming majority of the new jobs by 2030 um, are going to require a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. So we need to continue encouraging those for whom college is the desired option to go and step into that. Because right. we don't create that talent, we're going to have to import it. Correct. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I've never been the guy that says everybody should go to college. Right. Not everybody should go to college. Right. In fact, you might actually end up making more and be more fulfilled by going through Ideal Institute, um, Ideal Trade Institute, and, and being involved in in in, uh, in, in the trades and in, in that sector and that industry. And that is for for some people. Um, right. And so I think this is a really powerful addition to Tucson's workforce development landscape and uh, appreciate you um, being innovative, you know, during COVID times and, and kind of changing how this works. Uh, if somebody listening wants to support the work or wants to um, maybe consider enrolling themselves, what's the best place to start? Yeah, well, you can go to our website and you can take a look at some of our options there. If you want to enroll as a student, uh, it's a fairly simple process. You hit the Apply Now button that you talked about. Um, if you're interested in, uh, in in getting an ADU that you can put in your backyard, uh, take a look at us at uh, Ideal Tinies. And um, our, our modules fit together. We can build a home um, as big as 3,000 square feet and as small as uh, um, 400 square feet. Um, if you're looking for investment options, we, we are selling um, 
parts uh, or bonds for the company. Okay. Um, and you can invest in our company and so cool. and and be part of the growth and the next generation growth. And you can you can find us and look us up at, on our address. Our, our address. You can send us something or you can call us too. I love it. Clay Abernathy, Ideal Trade Institute. Super cool conversation. Thanks for coming on. Best of luck to you. Thanks for what you're doing in Tucson. Thanks. Thanks for having us. We uh, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Tucson, that does it for us today. Hugh Hewitt up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. We'll be back Wednesday morning. Same time, same place. See you then. <laughs>